Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to She and Her. <laughs> we are live in Hillsborough. Thrilled to be here with one of our dear friends who's going to be an amazing guest. She's all right. She's all right. Mm. But first, mm. before we introduce her, I'm just going to... Check in with Sandra real quick. Hey, Anita. How is your screen time challenge going? Ooh, well, I haven't hit that two-hour mark. Me neither. What? I'm more than an hour away from that mark. I'm still in the three hours. Mm-hmm. Let me just check, though. I was actually surprised. I'm, I'm pretty solidly at three right now. Yeah. What about you? Um, more than three. I'm like between three and four. It's on my mind a lot. Um, awareness is an uh, important step. That's an important step. Yeah. What do you think is hanging, holding you up? Uh, I don't know. I like. I think it brings me like pleasure in the like in my moments that I need a distraction. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of defies the whole point of what I said when I challenged myself, <laughs> which is that like it you actually makes me it. more anxious. Uh-huh. Which I do think it does. But I don't know. I think I've just been like I'm working on just spiraling down from an intense uh-huh. period. And so yes. I'm like feeling like I'm getting mentally better. So it's not bothering me as much. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're just deriving pleasure from it and less stress. And so maybe you're being a little bit more intentional with it. There we know. go. I did do like a big clear out of like unfollowing people that were not bringing me joy on it and better curating my feed. Oh, so maybe good. that helps. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, stay competitive about it. We will stay competitive about it. Um, well, without further ado, we would like to welcome Laura Pelliser. Hey, guys. <laughs> Our Canadian friend. Yeah, thanks. That's how I introduce myself to people on the street. That's how you're, you're filed in my brain. Yeah. yeah. Canadian Laura. Yeah. Thanks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I love that you're from Canada and you bring a really special Canada kind of vibe into my life. <laughs> a Canada kind of vibe? Yes. I am obsessed with Canadians. Right now? At this? No, like... Mm. Since I met you and since my neighbor was Canadian, <laughs> and I think two of two Canadian, <laughs> yeah, and Carlos, yeah, Carlos counts Carlos, too. Yeah, so my like, Carlos. oh, actually, and I love your roommates. Okay, so we've got five. Where we go? We've got yes. five really Canadian Canadians. surplus. Yeah, thanks, guys. So yeah. I, I just feel like y'all are all like that, but we'll get into that <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. So Laura is someone we've wanted to have on the show for a while now, and Anita, you can kind of give the backstory. Uh, yeah, so Laura and I work together at WUNC, our day job. 
Um, we've had a variety of conversations over the past two years we've worked together, but one that has struck me repeatedly that Sandra and I have reflected on, and that was really our inspiration for having you on this show, was I feel like you are probably the only, I'm going to go ahead and say only, oh my, woman wow. that I know in like this age range that I'm in who I feel like doesn't seem to have a lot of body, have any body anxiety. Mm -hmm. And or the way that you process any bodily changes or bodily concerns is so different from most of the women that I've ever spoken with about this. Hmm. So they're, they're probably women that I'm not as close to with whom I've not had really close conversations. But I've always been struck whenever we have talked about this of how differently you perceive it and always been really inspired and moved by your um, – I don't know, kind of your take on body positivity is really different for me than some of the other conversations we have had that kind of go straight from, you know, the, this is a change I'm experiencing or this is how my body shape looks different to like I must embrace and accept all bodies. I feel like yours is very particular and you seem to like derive joy from observing how your body changes and feel joy from thinking about your body as like a growing, changing thing that's not going to be the same throughout your life. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. On the way here, <laughs> just, just driving over here, I was asking myself like, is there anything that I'm not feeling good about these days? And then I was just thinking like, I'm a little, like, I'm a, you know, I'm a little chunkier. That's, that's okay. And then I was like, but it's also fall. And like <sighs> fall is just like a good time to have a couple extra pounds on for warmth, for <laughs> yeah. comfort. For like sitting on the bus and having like a bit of extra padding. There you go. So yeah, I think I think that I'm really lucky in many ways to have this different approach. But in sort of analyzing it after you guys asked me to come on the show, I was like, how did this happen? Like, how did I come to love my body, but also kind of I love other people's bodies, like people on the street. I'm checking you out, um, but with like a lot of pleasure. And so I tried to do a bit of breakdown and analyze how this happened and so, i think it's... so where did it all begin <laughs> yeah take us back to the beginning yeah tell us a little bit about where you grew up and okay. okay your relationship to food etc oh okay well so i am from montreal canada i may have already said about on air you may have heard that <laughs> but i'm from montreal canada and it is this super multicultural city um it's an island and it is in a french province the french province of quebec which is in a majority English-speaking country of Canada. And so the place that I'm from is really special. Um, it is super, super diverse. So I would love to, like, plunk you guys down on saint Laurent Street, maybe at the corner of, like, St. Catherine Street, and you would probably see so many different people walking by. Right now it's at least a third um, visible minority in Montreal, and there's this crazy cross-section of languages. And I think it was just a cool place to come of age. Maybe not grow up, because I kind of grew up in the suburbs, like in a boring street in the suburbs. But when I was a teenager and I started going downtown and when I went to college, everything kind of happened downtown. And I got to see, like, every body shape and every kind of aesthetic look and tons of different styles. And I think that was really a positive experience. Okay. So what was your relationship with your body like growing up? So the first time that I realized that my 
body didn't look like my other friends in kind of the suburban area that I grew up in was when I was seven and I was wearing a little green bikini, a bathing suit, and I was walking around the perimeter of our community pool and I remember being teased for my butt. So I kind of, I called my mom in preparation for this show (laughs) and I asked her, I was like, is that, did that happen? And she's like, I'm not sure, but she does remember when I was like seven or eight like my grandmother mentioning like, oh, she's got, you know, she's got a really big butt. My mom was like, you know, came to my defense. But so I think the awareness started really early. Um, so I definitely have like I'm pretty straight on top. Um, and then like there's a whole bunch of action down below. Like <laughs> I have this like really curvy butt that didn't really match my friends. Um, I've got like nice thick thighs and my butt kind of spills over a little bit. Like it's not perfectly it's not like we're not looking at two like perfect melons, you know. But yeah, I mean that's kind of the shape I've had like since I was super young and I've just carried that through into adulthood. And did it did you remember feeling self conscious or bad about that? So I think it's interesting because I was aware of it from a young age. But then around the time that I would start to get self-conscious about it, I think when I was probably about like 12 or 13, maybe around 13 years old, like through to my teen years, was also kind of the same time where I was going through like a body positivity journey as like almost as a kid or a teen where I was both like recognizing that I looked a bit different. I was a little bit uncomfortable about that. But then I also would like right away correct myself and be like, no, hell no, Laura. Like you look good. Like that looks awesome. And where was, yeah, where was that voice coming from? (laughs) Yeah, good question. I, you know, what's interesting is I'm just remembering, you remember like the teen magazines that we grew up with? Yeah. They were like terrible. They were horrible. They were, there were only super skinny girls in those magazines. I was just, I'm like, where, was it from like pop culture? It definitely wasn't. But so I think a big thing is that I came from a household and my family had like a million different body shapes and sizes. So my brother is like a really big husky guy with super broad shoulders. My mom is super tiny. My grandma was super skinny with kind of hunchy shoulders, like what I have. Then my dad is like a big guy with like a stomach. He always pats it and is like, oh, I'm working on being aerodynamic. That's his stomach. (laughs) It's like his running joke. It works better in French. But um, so I think it was this awareness that like everything in pop culture doesn't match up with what I'm looking like. But then having this diversity at home was really nice. That's so funny because I was I read some statistic a, a couple months ago about like how you know like x percentage of girls surveyed say the first time they started thinking about dieting was like um, when they were younger than the age of ten. And I was thinking about that, and I feel like my my very first formative body image story, which I'm gonna have to talk to my sister, and my mom about when I see them this mm-hmm. weekend was going with my sister when she was in high school to get her fitted for a strapless bra that she needed for, she was in speech and debate for the suit that she was wearing. We are in this tiny shop run by this like tiny Vietnamese woman and I was just kind of tagging along. And I think I must have, she was in ninth grade, I must have been in like sixth grade. And the woman was like fitting my sister and this was a period where my sister was really, really thin. She was like running track and like looked like gaunt skeleton like. And so I was fitting my sister and she was like, 
this one you're never going to have to worry about talking to my sister and then pointed at me and was like, this one should probably um, only eat fish like and should keep away from like chicken and other kinds of meat that are that like that's less lean. And like that, I like can visualize that store and that corner of that store and like the feeling of my face being hot. And I have no idea whether her comment even registered with my mom or my sister. And I was probably like, I mean, I didn't go through puberty till like middle of high school. I was probably still like 60 or 70 pounds. Like I was really tiny. But just this idea that like someone saw something in like me and my body shape that was like acknowledging that I was going to be able to like gain fat more easily than my sister, like really stuck with me. I have one of those moments too. What's yours? What's so yours? I was in visiting my dad's side of the family and my, he has one sister and she speaks her mind. And <laughs> I was probably in middle school. And so I had gone through puberty, but I was still super awkward. Like I think I was awkward till probably early college, generally speaking. But she, I remember she looked at me once and she was like, you just have a great pair of legs on you. But if it weren't for that tummy of yours, you might could be a model. And I, we were standing outside. We'd just taken a family portrait. And that again, seared into my memory. And that's one of those things that you have to like, or I had to constantly unravel as I've thought about how to change my thought process about my body image. Yeah. And so I think like yeah, there are these moments that are very visceral that we experience at a young age and they become like a pivotal part of the story that we tell ourselves about our body. And I think that's what's always striking to me is that I feel like in periods of my life where my body gains weight, my reaction, it's really hard for me to not react in a negative way. Mm-hmm. For me to not think like, oh, my pants are t-. like, I don't weigh myself, but to think like, oh, my pants are tighter. Like, I guess I've like, you know, been eating really unhealthily or not really moving very much. Like, maybe I should think about, you know, changing my behaviors. Like, I don't see my clothes fitting tighter as like a phase or a, a phase a or, or a neutral or something neutral or a, season, yeah. or a season or it's just fall. It's just your fall fit. Yeah. <laughs> but I like I feel like you and I have talked about this before and. <laughs> You've been like, your pants fitting tighter is the least of your concerns. Like, your life is so stressful right now. And I'm like, that's so interesting because that to me seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you, how, how, how is it so neutral for you? Yeah. So, (laughs) so I mean, there's a lot of. So, first off, when my body changes, um, so. For a period of time, I was a surfer or a wannabe surfer. <laughs> when I was when I was eighteen, I went surfing for a month, and um, I remember coming back and I had like you know these biceps and my chest was really like open and I had this gorgeous posture. And then it was like two weeks later that <laughs> it just collapsed, and I remember my bicep kind of just dropping down, <laughs> and it like became you know the everything else that hangs like below my arm now (laughs) and so you know I did see like those body changes and the kind of more rapid ones were tough at the time but honestly for the past 10 years um when something changes I I think I automatically find ways to celebrate those changes and I realize I'll tell you guys after I think a lot of it comes from my mom Mm. because I called her two days ago when you all said that I might be coming on the show and I asked her about our household and I think a lot of it had to do with that. But so in terms of um, 
when things change in my body, like when I put on a bit of extra weight, it's pretty much like I figure out that I put on extra weight. And then within about a day or two, I inadvertently find myself naked dancing in front of a mirror, like <laughs> testing out what my new what my new body like looks like or like are there new dance moves that I can feature? Like are my boobs a little different? Can I like do a new move? And so so I do have this like I notice that things are changing. There is an instant where it is negative. Like that that is a thing that happens. It's not completely positive right from the get-go. But I think as soon as that negative instinct is, is kicking in, I also force myself to celebrate it in some way. And so the mom connection is I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, you know, we, we're a really like body positive household, right? Like we were always kind of we weren't we weren't prudish. First off, my mom and I like hung out naked and there were like open doors sometimes in my house and like I would see things I didn't always want to see, but there was a sense that it wasn't bad to be naked. Right. So that's a big thing. But then, you know, I asked my mom, everything, it was a really body positive house, right? And she was like, yeah, it was. And I was like, well, you, you, you love your body, right? Like you love what you look like. You're always celebrating it. Or you're always, you're never like complaining about things. And she was like, hmm, interesting. Uh, not true. <laughs> what What are you talking about? She said that she has consciously, from the time that I was young, decided that she wanted to make sure that I loved what I looked like. And so whenever I started noticing things about my body that was different, she would say, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's just how you look. God made you that way. You're perfect. And she would say that over and over and over to me and my brother. And I was, first of all, I was confused because I thought that my mom like loved the way that she looked. Um, and she said that for most of her life, she was really self-conscious about mm. the way that she looked, including when she was raising me. So she did create this atmosphere where it was kind of a lie. But did she do it because she didn't want you to be thinking about your body the way she was thinking about her body? Was it like yes, a direct response? 100%. So what I found out in this conversation that I just had this week is that my grandmother was this, my mom's mom was this really beautiful woman. She was pretty curvy. And she kind of indoctrinated my mom with this idea that you had to be sexy and like show your legs and wear a shorter skirt and do all this stuff to, number one, attract a man and number two, to keep your husband when mm. you get your husband. And so I found out from my mom, she was like, she had these memories of her helping her, my grandmother, get ready for to go out with my grandfather and like be very conscious of, my grandma was very conscious of dressing sexy even for like dates. And then my mom remembers my grandma coming home in tears because she was in this really problematic, really rocky relationship with my grandfather. So... There was a lot going on there. So my mom, her whole life was told that it needed to be, she needed to be more beautiful. your body was an asset that you had to deploy to secure, like, a stable relationship. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And also that she always needed to be working on her body to make sure that she looked good um, so that she would be able to, like, get economic sustainability for the rest of her life. So I just found this out a few days ago that my mom said, like, she made a conscious decision that if she raised a daughter, there was no way that she was going to do that to her daughter. So apparently that is kind of the household that I lived in. 
And then my mom did this other really cool thing that I think has definitely trickled down and something that I do today. And I think it's part of like why I look at people for a long time and like I'm like yeah girl like yes you wear that dress like you wear that skirt you're looking amazing like when tall girls wear heels like I love that you know when people like break fashion rules when bigger girls wear like tighter things I love that and um, because I think it gives us all permission to do it mm-hmm. but I realized my mom always complimented strangers hmm. and so she would always be like sir <laughs> that is the right color for your eyes. Like, you look good today. And I'd be like, Mom, stop. It's so embarrassing. But I think I think it trained me to, like, think that way about other people. Like, she would never critique someone on the street. She'd mm. never be like, oof, that woman should not be wearing that dress. She would only voice when she thought someone was doing something cool. And, and here, yeah. my friends, is why I love Canadians. <laughs> Well, I'm just realizing how radical that is because you internalize those little messages of judgment because they become a point of connection and camaraderie for people, right? Of being like, oh, did you Mm -hmm. see that person? And it's my way of connecting with you over a shared experience. But it's really like terrible and and hurtful and poisonous and then like lives in this deep place within us of judgment and criticism that we then turn toward ourselves it's our reptilian brain yeah Yeah, i think it's exactly that i think like training yourself to watch other people to like celebrate that they're doing something brave even though they're breaking a a fashion rule or even though their bodies look different i think it just like every time you it gives you permission to do that yeah for yourself so i don't know yeah and she definitely did that with um, people that you didn't have to be like the hottest man on the street for my mom to compliment you. <laughs> you just needed to be like, yeah, have nice eyes and like be wearing a green shirt or something. Um, but then I think it also connects to kind of the culture of Montreal, which once again, I'm going to, I'm going to stuff you two in a suitcase one day. I'm going to bring <laughs> you there against your will. I do not care. But in Montreal, there's a culture of kind of lingering gazes mm. and you have permission you have really good eye contact Sandra so you'd be very <laughs> you would do really well there um, you have permission to kind of hold your gaze with someone like a second or two longer mm. than what I've noticed in North Carolina and that gaze can be many things it can be just open curiosity which is not judgment it is not supposed to be judgment so it's open curiosity or it's like open curiosity for a second and then it's, you know, sexual interest for a second after. <laughs> or it can just be like, you can just look at someone, you know, just observe, hold your gaze and look away. And there's no, you don't need to say hi. Hmm. And there's no insult in it. But so you get to kind of interact with strangers. You have more permission to interact with strangers in this kind of, I don't know, this way that creates intimacy without like... How do I describe it? With Doing non-verbally. And- non-verbally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-verbally. Yeah. Is there a cultural component to the relationship with food, do you think? Because I, I think I've talked to you about this, that like book that came out however many years ago called Why French Women Don't Get Fat. Ugh, I hate the title. Ugh. And the idea was essentially <laughs> that like the, you know, in France you eat for pleasure and fuel, but you don't like eat more than you need right so like yeah you can have a buttery croissant for breakfast and then you walk to town and Mm -hmm. get your groceries then you have like a nice fresh salad for lunch and then you blah 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 that like movement is incorporated into life much more portion sizes are much smaller and 
you know, enjoyment is incorporated into food in a way that's not good and bad food. And that's not like, you know, eat only salads and you can indulge later. Um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of French culture in Montreal and it was a city. And so you were moving about more. I wonder whether you noticed any cultural change in relationship to food, either yours personally as you moved to the U.S. or what you saw around you. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> that, like, obsession with um, the value of French lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I, I wish I could, like, rename that book the... So stupid. The, 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 the You know, it, it's like the urban, privileged, socialist yeah. <laughs> way of <laughs> maintaining your waistline. Because I think that's what a lot of it has to do with it. You know, Montreal was a city that um, is, I mean, it's like a far left, like radically socialist city compared with pretty much the entire U.S. Um, it is it has a really great metro system and a really great um, public transit system that's not crazy expensive. Um, there's really affordable fruits and vegetables, and it's also urban. So just being in an urban environment, like you don't drive because... I mean, I drove for a while and I would wake up every morning and like to parking tickets on my illegally parked car because you can't really find parking. So I think there's a cross section of a whole bunch of stuff going on um, with, you know, being able to move, as you say, like being able to move around and it not being hard to move around or expensive to move around. And then you get to eat the food. And so the food part is... I mean, so I lived, oh God, I'm like gonna just like salivate thinking about it, but I lived at this cross section of like three bakeries. So if I chose in Montreal, <laughs> if I walked north, I hit this really gorgeous French bakery that had these clafoutis. They're like little custard pies, sort of with little cherries, and you can have them any time of day. There's, there's no rules. <laughs> um, and then if I headed, West, I hit another French one block or oh my god, it was like two two businesses over from my house. I hit this other little French pastry shop um, with really good French French um, uh, chocolate croissants, and then two blocks the other way was this awesome Hasidic Jewish bakery. So we definitely eat the croissants. That's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that's happening. Like you're eating. That's bacon. the name of this episode. Yeah, eat the eat the croissants. Eat the damn um, croissants. So we're definitely eating the croissants, and I did get this idea of food growing up in that city and kind of with my my family uh, culture is a mix of French and Spanish and English and Irish and Scottish and all these different things. But um, we did have this culture of like having smaller portion sizes and like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying your food. So and taking your time with Taking it. your time and also there's no, there's no, like people don't buy the fake butter. People don't mm. buy the, what is that called? Like better More than butter? Sharing. No. Not, I, can't I can't believe, believe it's, it's not, not can't believe it's not better. <laughs> That's like not a thing. And margarine's not popular. And people are pretty much like eating legit like butter with their food. Whole unprocessed foods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whole unprocessed foods. Um, that's it. That's a big part of it is that, you know, if you have access to these beautiful baked goods and these rich sauces and all this beautiful food, that's not what people are eating 24 hours a day. They're also eating fruits and vegetables and you have access to all this great food. But anyways, around the culture of food, one of the big things I've noticed is that people don't like all eat lunch together. Slow, in the South. Slowly. In, in the, like in a relaxed yeah. way. Oh. Um, folks also don't really go out for um, like a standard kind of um, sankaset is what we would call it. Like a 
five to seven a happy hour um, where you also like get a small glass of wine or a small glass of beer and you like savor that with your friends. That's pretty standard. Um, oh my God. We yeah. got to <laughs> You guys have got to come. But so when you're surrounded by both rich food, but also healthy food, access to movement, access to public transportation and walking is normalized and there is no, no one makes fun of you or thinks that you are lesser than for walking, for taking the bus, for taking the metro. I think that's a big part of it. There's no stigma. But to get to that point, I think it's easier to be in an urban area where you already have a good system. But I I mean, even when I've noticed when I've gone over to your house for dinner, like everything is just on a slower. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys <laughs> kill me. You kill me. So, I mean, we've had to debrief after Hosting Americans for dinner. I'm so glad you brought that up, Sandra. <laughs> and we've had to debrief after, <laughs> after dining with my Canadians. home. <laughs> so, I mean, we started and we, we've started doing this with you and your partner. Um, we've started like essentially messaging people and saying like, you know, please arrive at 7 uh, or 7.30. You will not be eating until you know, 9.30 or 9, because we have induced absolute, like, panic and stress and anxiety. I think in you too, Sandra, I can see, like, your eyes getting wider when you come over for dinner. Like, you're not fed that early. But um, we've definitely, it's not just you guys. I feel like there's, we've had people over and there is, like, this culture of having food ready. And we're like, mm-hmm. no, but you're coming over for dinner. Like, we're going to make dinner. Like, we're going to make, like, you don't need to cook. We're going to cook. But part of the process is, like, we're going to hang out. And then, so, like, come, you know, we'll provide snacks, like, little 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 <laughs> bites to eat. Sure. But like, shrimp, little shrimp, shrimp toast yes. or something. But, um, <laughs> like, you're not getting your chicken until, you know, 9 o'clock. Ten. <laughs> until 10. Until, Let's okay, say a 10.03, 10.10. It's true. It's you know, true. It 30. is more like 10. <laughs> But I mean, I think that's part of the joy is number one, I'm holding you all hostage. And number two. And I do appreciate, like, I've, I I totally am down for the ride these days with that. Oh, I feel like, you, I mean, I, I wish you'd noticed. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice how calm I am these days? <clears throat> but, you, yeah. but y'all always have wine. Mm-hmm. And it's just a whole thing. I remember yeah. Anita telling me that, or was it you who were telling me that Anita asked you if every night you came home (laughs) so you live with two okay so you live with three people your partner and another couple yes in a very small apartment what we would consider normal size (laughs) (laughs) one bathroom for four people one bathroom for four yeah two yes two two, i mean they are small bedrooms and we do share one sofa for four (laughs) um but if you kind of line us up right on the sofa, it's okay. It's, it's intimate. It's intimate. And every night y'all come home and you, you typically just have a glass of wine together as a household. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what, you mean every night you yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's sort of, I, I like that it's symbolic that you're saying, like, this is a demarcation. Mm-hmm. And this glass of wine that I'm ha- handing you is a line. And the line is... You you were working and now you're drinking wine. I love that. And having mm-hmm. a conversation. So you're not allowed to, you know, I do come home and I do often like putz around. I'm a, a big putzer. I'll do a little bit of work. But it's like you will embark on your evening <laughs> activities with a different spirit and <laughs> less anxiety than 
how you embarked on the rest of your stressful day. Don't you sit in the car for for a minute? Sometimes? I also my mom had a cool term for that. I wish I remembered it. She was like, "That was your, that's your cavern time or something." I don't know. She had this cool term, but. I just find myself, like, before I enter this home with a lot of people, I find myself naturally just, like, I pull up in the driveway and it's just silent in the car. And this is not, like, a hashtag NPR driveway moment because <laughs> NPR is usually off. Um, it's I just sit silently in the car for between 5 and 15 minutes. <laughs> and sometimes I, like, I get really hot <laughs> it's in North Carolina in the summer. It's like a freaking, it's like a sauna in there. And I, like, hang my feet out the window or whatever, and the neighbors see me, and I don't care, but it's, like, quiet time. Quiet time in the car. Quiet time. Well, we are running out of time, <laughs> but I wonder if you have any words of wisdom or advice for people who are on a body image journey. Hmm. Do we have time to talk about nudity? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. We have a solid uh, 12 minutes for oh, nudity. Amazing. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Well, one of the things that I think has helped me celebrate my body, but also seriously celebrate other people's bodies, is that on my dad's side of the family, um, he's Spanish. <laughs> And the Spaniards are definitely not prudes. There's a lot of naked beaches. Um, and I know that my dad is very comfortable being naked just from, like, the stories he's told me about going to a n- naked club med with his friends in their what? 20s. Wow. Yeah. It was the 70s. Wow. Was it was the 70s. Yeah. But um, so that's kind of going checks on. Checks out. <laughs> that checks out. That's going on on one side of my family. And then my best friend who I grew up with, her family is Estonian. They run an Estonian camp in Montreal, which is hilarious, or in Quebec. Um, and they head this Estonian association. And the Estonians, like the Finns, are just like super down to get naked, you know, as a family or with their friends and to get in the sauna and then to go plunge in like really cold water. So I grew up kind of skinny dipping with my best friend 
Um, and then having this sense that like nudity is not bad. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that has also just been this really lovely thing to have in the background where if I go to a beach and there's an older woman, you know, she could be in her 80s. I don't care. And she's like rocking a bathing suit and she's whatever size. I'm like, yeah, you look awesome. And then if I go to a nude beach in Spain, for example, <laughs> and I see the same thing, I'm like, hells yeah. Like that is that gives that empowers seeing that always empowers me. I always think like I hope when I am older, you know, I am wandering this maybe not the streets, but wandering the sand. <laughs> wandering the wandering sand. The I sand. still I still adhere to social norms. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think in terms of tips, I th- think that what has happened for me is I've had someone else help me celebrate my body by not critiquing me my whole life that's Mm -hmm. my mom thanks mom um but i think celebrating other people's bodies and like kind of checking out your girlfriends and being like damn girl (laughs) like you look awesome like yeah and i think i 100 percent think it just kicks back to you right away and i think you know for girls and for guys and um yeah and folks on the street Maybe don't don't say damn girl. You look fine, but you know, like like noticing when people are putting in extra effort or doing something slightly courageous, and then just like complimenting them. I, yes. I don't know. It works. I think it and works. And noticing it not from a place because I mean I feel like you know I notice other people's bodies all the time, and like I'm reading other people's bodies. And Sandra and I have talked a lot about <laughs> like just like that moment that you sometimes have with like family members or whatever. You can tell that they're reading your body and you're reading theirs, but it's not from a space of uh, a celebration or it doesn't feel that way. And so to kind of reframe that as like, I can like acknowledge your body and its positive attributes without thinking in any ways about how that compares to me or how, you know, in any judgmental ways or critical ways, I think think is a reframe. And I think also making sure that you do it, you know, compliment your sister, for example, not when she's at her fittest most perfect shape i think finding a way to finding something about her body to celebrate when maybe she doesn't feel super comfortable about it like saying but but being honest like has to be coming from an honest place totally um i think that's a way of reframing it but i also think it might be a generational thing Mm -hmm. where we can if if we decide to have kids one day it's to kind of start with our kids or I guess it's easier because a family culture is pretty hard to change. But I think <laughs> a friend group culture, I mean, yeah. that's often kind of a smaller little posse. And I think that's something that we can probably change a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think actually the like actionably complimenting someone, because I notice people all the time who don't fit the societal norm for what is attractive, but I am like, God, they are just beautiful. Or they're mm-hmm. so striking. And if you can actually say that out loud, I feel like there has to be some sort of psychological shift in your mind where you're like, oh, just because my hips don't fit that norm either, like that doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, striking, attractive, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just another, it's an active way to remind yourself that there are all kinds of beautiful bodies out there. That was very well said. I think so. (laughs) Amen. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys. That was so fun. I hope that you all celebrate your fall 
season bodies. <laughs> yes. Our season. fall forms. Your fall forms. Right. Yes. Exactly. There we go. All of our episodes are circling back, talking about nudity, Spanish mm. beaches, the season <laughs> of our life. Mm. It's really serendipitous. It really is. All right. Well, She and Her is a podcast and radio show. You can find us at sheandherradio.com. We're on iTunes, ACAST, Facebook, Instagram. We're really not on Twitter anymore. Google Play. (laughs) Yeah, we retweet things sometimes, but you should go to Instagram or Facebook. That's right. You're more likely to find us there. Thank you for listening, and have a good night. See ya. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.